Good morning, First Baptist Church of Greg Abel's. I hope you've all uh, had a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in with us on our online service this Sunday morning. Happy Father's Day uh, to all the fathers. We uh, wish we could see you in person, of course, but we completely understand. We hope you're celebrating, but we hope you're starting off your day of celebration of our dads uh, with, with the Word of God and the worship of God. So thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, this morning, we are looking at a sermon uh, entitled, um, Come Clean of Hidden Sin. Come Clean of Hidden Sin. Let me start off by asking you this. Do you want to be part of something great for the glory of God with the time you have remaining on this earth? Do you? Uh, not just as a church, but in your life and in your family. Do you want to experience the blessing of God? Let me ask you, do you want to see God's presence and blessing in your life, in your relationships, in your family, your marriage, your children, grandchildren, or whatever it applies to you? We, we all do, don't we? And I, listen, I think God's blessing is something that we all want, and I hope that you'll see today that this is something that the Lord wants. Uh, God wants to bless you right where you're sitting. Friends, God wants you to live with supernatural joy and peace, with supernatural hope. He wants you to live in a supernatural community with a supernatural church in supernatural power to accomplish his purposes in the world. God wants this for us, and it's something he makes clear throughout his word. But today, I want to consider what is often the biggest hindrance to experiencing this kind of blessing in your life. In fact, it may be the biggest hindrance to us experiencing this together as a church. This leads us now to Joshua chapter 7, which will be our text for this morning. I'm going to give you uh, the main idea up front, even before we read the text this week. The main idea is this. Church family, if we want to experience the fullness of God's power, presence, and blessing, we must come clean regarding hidden sin. Let me say that again. If we want to experience the fullness of God's power, his presence, and his blessing, we must come clean regarding hidden sin. Another way to state this point is that hidden sin will be the biggest hindrance to God's blessing in your life and in this church. Hidden sin may keep what all we want, everything that we want in our lives for the glory of God from happening. And we see this in Joshua 7. So let me just set a little bit of context here. I know normally on Sunday mornings we started going through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, we're switching to a new book this Sunday, so we've got to have the context. Let's think about the book of Joshua. Well, in the first six chapters of the book of Joshua, everything is going great. Remember, this book opens with the people on the brink of the promised land. Uh, Joshua had been installed as Moses' successor. And in chapter 1, God gives these powerful, wonderful promises to Joshua. By chapter 3, the, the, the Israelites, the people of God, have miraculously crossed over the Jordan River. And in chapter 6, they experience a supernatural victory in the battle of Jericho. 
Now, if you look at the very last verse of Joshua chapter 6, the Bible says this. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread through all, throughout all the country. That's the very last verse of Joshua 26 verse 27. Yet, when you get to the first verse of what we're about to read in Joshua chapter 7, what's the first word? But. But. And that's where I want us to pick up. We're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, so please follow along closely as, as best you can. Joshua chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Let's read all of this together. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three hundred men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Sherebim, uh, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth and on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan." O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth? Then what will you do for your great name? Verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought, before, uh, brought according to your tribes, and it shall be the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. 
He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zerhites and he brought them the family of the Zerhites man by man and Zabdi was taken. And then he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent and with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. First Baptist Church of Grey Gables, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing. Father, Lord, we do want your blessing. We want to experience your presence and your power so that we can fulfill our commission, Father, to make the gospel known, to bring you honor and glory, to enjoy you forever. Lord, help us to see what a hindrance hidden sin is in the midst of that. Lord, this is a difficult text. Um, This is a difficult story for us to wrap our head around. Father, would we see your holiness in the midst of this and would we see the great cost of sin in the midst of this text today. Open our eyes to receive it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were Marty McFly, you might say that this text is heavy, right? Uh, What just happened? Uh, Well, uh, go back to Joshua chapter 6, one chapter over, and look at verses 18 and 19, and you'll see what, what God told the Israelites to do when they went into Jericho. Joshua 6, 18 and 19, look at what the text says. It says, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord and they shall, be, be, uh, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So this picture, this phrase of accursed things, it's used 27 times in the book of Joshua. It's a reference to the silver, gold, bronze, iron in the promised land that the other people had devoted to the accursed worship of idols and false gods. And so God says, these things, these accursed things, they are supposed to be devoted to my worship, not the worship of idols. So don't keep them for yourselves or you will bring about destruction. And, and friends, God was extremely serious about his people displaying his glory as they went into a land full of false idols. So that when we get to Joshua chapter 6, verse 24, we think 
that the people have done exactly what the Lord had commanded them to do. Look at Joshua 6, 24. It says there, but they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But when we get to Joshua 7, 1 and find out a man named Achan had kept some of these accursed things. We find out that one man had hidden sin. Did you hear me? One man. The hidden sins described as we read in Joshua 7, 20 and 21, he saw the beauty of the stuff and he wanted it. He coveted it. He desired it. He acted on it. And he was hiding these things in his tent. This is the pattern we see throughout the story of Scripture, isn't it? The first sin in Genesis chapter 3. Eve saw the fruit. She desired it and acted. We see it with King David. He saw Bathsheba, another man's wife. He desired her and he took her to be with him. And it's the same pattern that continues in every single one of our lives today. We see, we want, we act. We all do it, right? We do it often without anyone noticing. No harm done, right? And yet look at how God describes what happened in Joshua chapter 7 verse 11. Look at how he describes it. Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Listen, in the Hebrew, this is kind of like a slow buildup. It describes the multifaceted levels of sin against God. It starts with a general description of sin, right? Israel has sinned. Then it describes how they transgressed against God's covenant. Uh, The term that's used there is the same term that's used in other places in the Bible to describe adultery. Because they have broken their marriage covenant with God. They have taken the accursed things. They have stolen, they have lied, and they tried to cover it up. All All Achan did, by the way, was he took a robe and a little bit of silver and gold. But then God said, you have violated my covenant through spiritual adultery you've stolen you've lied and you've tried your best to cover it up see friends in this story we must see the seriousness of hidden sin before God I I want to be clear When, when we use this term hidden I'm referring to the sin that we have not confessed sin that we're trying to cover up sin that we're pretending frankly is not there It's the sin we try to ignore. We're not talking about sin here that you've confessed before God and before others, sin that you've repented of by God's grace. No, we're talking about sin here that nobody else knows about. A sin that you have not been honest with God about. And friends, this is particularly dangerous because we can so easily convince ourselves that sin like this is not a big deal. I mean, as long as nobody finds out, I'm not hurting anyone, right? But friends, it is a big deal. And I've prayed that today God would uncover hidden sin in our lives and in our hearts. Since we've tried to hide so that we might avoid the consequences. God is saying in his word very clearly today 
the consequences of hidden sin are serious. Hear what God is saying here in his word today. We're gonna look at five different facets of this. And the first one is this. Hidden sin is harmful not only to us, but to those around us. Hidden sin is harmful not only to us, but to those around us. Yes, hidden sin harms us. That couldn't be any clearer here as Achan loses his life at the end of Joshua 7 because of his hidden sin. But do not be conceived to think that your hidden sin is only harmful to you. That is a lie. Don't believe it. Hidden sin harms us and it harms those around us. And I want to camp here a bit. Think about this story. How many people took accursed things? One man. As a result of one man's sin, the entire Israelite army was routed at Ai and 36 men lost their lives. Not only one man had died, uh, not one man had died in the battle of Jericho, by the way. Remember this. You think about the battle of Jericho, that massive city, nobody died. But here in Ai, a much smaller city, 36 men died. And as you're reading this story, if you didn't know exactly what happened, You would think this is not a story about one person's sin. If you look at Joshua chapter 7 verse 1 where it starts at the beginning, it says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. And at the end of that verse, verse 1, it says, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel, not just Achan. Skip down to verse 11. 11 and 12, when that verse describes their sin, what does it say again? Israel has sinned. And just look at how many times it mentions they. They have. They have. They have stolen and deceived. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies. Neither will I be with you anymore. And and the you, by, by the way, there is plural. And so is this a story of one person's sin or the people's sin? The answer is both. You can't divide the two. Your sin, my sin, listen, it always affects other people. And this is the story we see throughout Scripture. In 2 Samuel 21, as the result of one sin in Saul's life, the people of God experience a famine for three years. In 2 Samuel 24, one sin in David's life leads to the death of thousands of people. Here in Joshua 7, 36 people die. God's judgment comes upon the entire nation because of one man's sin. Are you seeing this? Hidden sin in Achan's life affected people he didn't even know as well as the people he knew very closely. Did you notice that The three times that Achan is described in our passage, all three times, it lists his family. Achan is tied to his family throughout this entire passage. And when you get to the end of the passage, it's not just Achan who loses his life. It's his entire family. Achan's sin has affected his whole family. 
Man, I, I think about my family. I love my wife so much. I, I love my kids so much. My favorite place is to be where they are, right? Uh, you know that about me, whether it's a, a date night with my beautiful wife or playing outside with our, my kids, maybe even playing Legos with Addie or baseball with Bubster. I love my family so much, and I long for them to experience God's goodness and blessing in their lives. So, so the thought of my sin having a direct Direct effect on their lives is overwhelming. I only want to pass good onto them. I don't want to pass on anything sinful to them. I don't want to sin and pull my wife or kids into the effects of sin with me. I don't want them to suffer because of my sin, yet they will suffer if I sin. If I hide sin, particularly, they will suffer. This is undeniable in Scripture. And listen, fathers, husbands, you have to hear this. It's a lie that your sin only affects you. Your sin affects the people around you. The hidden sins of men are affecting marriages, families, and an entire generation in our nation. Not only them, but the hidden sin that nobody else knows about. Listen to me, it's not as hidden as you think it is. It affects people you don't even know. Don't think you can hide it under the ground in your tent. Its influences pervades your entire tent and far beyond your tent. Church family, we desperately need God to deliver us from the mindset that our sin only affects us. It's not true. So men, let me ask you, what sin is hidden in your life? Uncover it. If not for your sake, for the sake of those around you. Women as well, what sin is hidden in your life? Uncover it for your sake and others' sake. Just think, what if your sin that you are hiding and holding on to right now is not just keeping you from experiencing God's blessing, but it's keeping others around you from experiencing God's blessing? Uh, that's, that's the picture we're seeing here, which is going to lead us now to our second reality. Hidden sin harms us and the people around us, sure, but hidden sin also deprives us of the blessing of God's presence. Hidden sin deprives us of the blessing of God's presence. This is the contrast between everything in the book of Joshua up to this point and Joshua chapter 7, the theme of Joshua's leadership and his life was the presence of God with him. Just listen to these verses. Deuteronomy 31, 23, when Moses was passing on leadership uh, to Joshua, he says, then he inaugurated Joshua the son of Nun and said, be strong and of good courage for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them and I will be with you. Joshua 1, 9 have I, command, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 3, 7, and the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua six twenty seven. so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. But then we get to Joshua 7, verse 12, and God says, neither will I be with you anymore. Why not? What happened? Because of hidden sin, they would miss the blessing of God's presence. Now, 
We phrase that intentionally because the Bible teaches everywhere that God is omniscient or I'm sorry, omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. We know that, but there's a difference in what this looks like when God is present to judge and when God is present to bless. There is a sense in which God is very present here in Joshua 7, isn't there? But he's present to judge. He's showing judgment upon sin. He's saying, you will not experience the blessing of my presence while you are hiding sin. And this is evident in the very beginning of this chapter. Notice before Joshua sends the army out to Ai, he doesn't even pray. He doesn't even consult God. Instead, he assumes the presence of God, but the blessing of God's presence is not with them and they're struck down. It wasn't because the army of Ai was so great. The Israelites end up conquering Ai easily in Joshua 8. The difference between Joshua 7 and Joshua 8 is the blessing of God's presence. The people of God were learning that they were destined to live defeated lives if they tried to live apart from the blessing of God of God's presence. And this is the picture we must see today in our church, right? We we are asking God in our church to bring many people to new life in Christ, to grow our family for the glory of Christ. And we want to be part of something great for the glory of God. Now listen, I'm not claiming a direct parallel between our church today and Joshua 7, but I can't help but to think God will not bless us as long as we are hiding sin in the tent. We can try all day long to do this or that, but God will be saying, look in your tent, stop playing games with me, get up and get rid of the hidden sin. You see it in Joshua 7. It's entirely possible for a group of people to miss out on the blessing of God because of hidden sin in one person. And I say to all of us, Hidden sin in one of our lives can rob the blessing of God from us all. Uh, Do we realize the seriousness of hidden sin? Again, not just the church broadly, but those closest to you. Don't deprive yourself of the blessing of God's presence on people around you because you will not uncover sin in your tent. Hidden sin deprives us of the blessing of God's presence. Thirdly, Hidden sin does not bring honor and glory to God's name. This one should be simple, right? Hidden sin does not bring honor and glory to God's name. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the worth of God or who God is. You can't ever take away from his worth, ever. I'm talking about the reputation of God. How he's seen in the world today. And Joshua knew what what was at stake here. Look at his prayer in verse 9 of Joshua 7 where he says this. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? See, Joshua knew that the honor and glory of God's name was wrapped up in his work among his people. He knew why God saved the people from Egypt to glorify his name among the nations. But here's the problem. If God's people therefore go into the promised land and take the accursed things, things that are devoted to the worship of false gods, they will jeopardize God's reputation in the promised land. God didn't save them from Egypt so that they could go on worshiping idols. And Joshua knew what was at stake. So as soon as he realized what happened, he knew how serious it was. 
And, and friends, this is where I wonder if we really realize what's at stake. We've talked about the tendency in the church of our day for people to say some words, pray a prayer, call themselves Christian, no matter what their lives look like. All kinds of people call themselves Christians. But in reality, they have little or no desire for Christ. They're living all kinds of, uh, uh, for all kinds of idols in the world. They're living for money or possession, success, or for the praise of fellow man. Do we realize what we're saying to a watching world? We are showing them a cheapened view of the gospel. We're showing them a God who apparently does not even have the power to change lives and apparently who is not even worth our lives. A God who is not that great compared to the gods and idols of this world. People who claim to follow him still run after all the same idols in the world that everybody else is running after. Uh, Christianity is a joke to many in our culture because many who call themselves Christians show very little evidence for the love for Christ over the idols of this world. We must uncover hidden sin because the honor and glory of God's name is intended to be put on display in our lives and in his church. Why uncover hidden sin? Because our holiness before God has a direct effect on God's honor before the world. We want God's name to be honored in our lives, in our family's lives, in this church life. So hidden sin dishonors the glory of God's name. Fourthly, we have this. Hidden sin will ultimately be revealed in God's judgment. Hidden sin will ultimately be revealed in God's judgment. We must be honest with each other and ourselves. We, we cannot hide sin before a holy God. I can't. You can't. It is not possible. Hidden sin will ultimately be revealed in God's judgment, and his judgment will be serious. I mean, let's just think about it. This passage, it's pretty disturbing, isn't it? One guy steals a robe, some silver, gold, and his whole family loses their lives in addition to 36 other men. Seems a, a bit extreme, doesn't it? And this is a question we find ourselves asking all throughout Scripture. Uh, Genesis 19, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are completely destroyed. All Lot's wife does is look back and she drops dead. One simple glance back leads to the death penalty. In Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, offer unauthorized fire one time before the Lord. And all of a sudden, fire comes out from the presence of God and consumes them both. Their father Aaron, stunned in silence, careless worship, one time leads to the death penalty. In Numbers 15, a guy is caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath and all of a sudden he finds himself dead. For picking up sticks? But listen, it's not just even in the Old Testament you might think, well, it's different in the New Testament. Think about Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie during offering time in the church and they both fall dead. We read these stories and immediately think, isn't, isn't God just overdoing it here? I mean, this is too severe, right? And look, it, that's a valid question because it leads to understanding this picture in Joshua 7. We think of this kind of punishment as severe, even unjust. And the reason we do, friends, is because we have a man-centered view of sin. Follow this. 
If people lie to us, they disobey us, they speak against us, would we say they should receive the death penalty? Of course not. Here's the key. It's not how serious we think a sin is, but the one who is sinned against. God is infinitely holy and honorable. As a result, one sin against him is an infinite offense deserving infinite punishment. If you sin against a rock, you're not very guilty. If you sin against a person, you're guilty. If you sin against an infinitely holy God, you are infinitely guilty. It's what God said in Genesis chapter 3, right? If you eat of this fruit, just eat it, you will surely die. But we look at that through man-centered eyes and think, man, that's a little extreme. Or we might even say, I don't know if I can worship a God who judges like that. Be careful, friends. For as long as these thoughts come into your mind, you're only expressing the fallen sinful nature that deserves judgment before God in the first place. Pointing the finger to question God's justice. Slandering the very character of God as if you're more just than he is. As if you have the capability to be more just than he is. It means you've attacked the judge of all the earth when you don't even have a clue what sin actually is or how heinous it actually is. A Psalm 99.4 says, God is just, the king's strength also loves justice. That means your hidden sin will ultimately be revealed. The judgment of God upon your sin is coming. The question is, will it be brought to light now? Will you bring it to light now with your confession? Or will God bring it to light later? Listen to this quote from John Piper. He says, to be caught in secret sin is a horrible thing. There's only one thing worse, not to be caught. There's only one thing worse than being caught in secret sin. And that's continuing in secret sin until it's too late. Hidden sin will inevitably be revealed in God's judgment. And all of this leads to the last reality. Please don't miss this. This is, boy, is this important. The last reality is this. Sin, hidden sin, can be finally erased by God's mercy. Hidden sin can be finally erased by God's mercy. Church, God is just and merciful. His arms are open with mercy. In his mercy, he is bringing us this word so that we might see his mercy. And this is where I want us to step back and and look at the big picture here. We talk about biblical theology, the overall thread of the Bible. We need to see this. This book of Joshua, remember what it is. It's the story of the Israelites going into the promised land. Were they a sinful people? Absolutely. They were constantly complaining. They were grumbling and sinning to the point where they actually turned back from the promised land. An entire generation had died wandering in the wilderness. Even their leader, Moses, who had led them in so many good and right ways, died because of his sin against God. So Moses handed off the leadership of God's people to another man who just so happened to be named Joshua. Do you know what Joshua's name means? Joshua's name means the Lord saves or the Lord is my salvation. God, in the very name of this book, is shouting to sinners like you and me that he saves. That he is your salvation, that God will save you from your sin. 
And do you know how Joshua's name just so happens to be translated in the New Testament? Joshua's name is translated as Jesus. And what does the name of Jesus mean? Matthew 1.21, speaking about Mary, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joshua 7, church family, it's shouting to us right now today, hidden sin is serious, but Jesus saves. This is the good news for all of us today. Particularly every one of us hiding sin before a holy God. God has made a way for you to be forgiven of that sin. God has sent Jesus to pay the price for that sin. You don't have to die for that sin because Jesus died on a cross for that sin. Jesus has taken the judgment you deserve when you confess that sin and ask forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross for you. Your hidden sin can finally be erased by God's mercy. Listen, I I know this this is a heavy message, right? But I want to leave you with hope. Friends, your sin can be erased When you confess it, when you pray, God, forgive me, cleanse me, expose my heart, help me to turn from this hidden sin. When you do that, God will shower you with his mercy. You don't have to walk away from the heavy guilt of sin today. God wants you to walk away celebrating the mercy of King Jesus today. In the words of Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you confess your sin, trust in the mercy of the holy God of the universe, he says you are not guilty anymore. And so please, don't miss this picture. Hidden sin is harmful. It deprives you of God's blessing, the blessing of God's presence. It does not bring honor and glory to the name of God. And it will ultimately be revealed in God's judgment. But the beauty is that if you have If you uncover and confess this hidden sin honestly before God, friends, then your sin can finally be erased by the mercy of God. How is that even possible? Jesus. Jesus has made the way for us to experience the fullness of God's power, his blessing, and his presence. I invite you to experience that today honestly before God by confessing that sin. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for even heavy or difficult stories like this. We know this is for our good, that it's profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and our training in righteousness. Lord, I just know in my life the fear of confessing hidden sin, the shame of confessing hidden sin has always kept me at times from doing it. But Lord, thank you for the times in my life where I was able to confess that sin and recognize that that fear and shame was nailed to a wooden cross. Lord, I'm only acknowledging my sinfulness when I confess hidden sin but I'm also resting on your mercy 
and your mercy endures forever. Lord, I pray for our people. Lord, I want us to experience the the blessing of your presence. I want us to, to do something great for our community, for the glory of God. So I'm praying that in this time now, you would expose hidden sin. Lord, we would confess it to you and to those around us who we have affected. Lord, give us the strength. We are so in need of strength to do this. And let it be the start of a change in our hearts for God's glory forever and ever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, church family, I just wanted to tell you, after the Sunday morning in our service, we're going to have a, a time in the invitation where we just give everyone a, a few moments to be honest before God. And so my encouragement to you is take a moment, even if it's in your living room or wherever you're watching this, just have some silence and, and get right with God. Have a moment before him where you say, God, I confess this. Or maybe you just need to ask him, Lord, what is it in my life that, that I'm not seeing, that I need to see? Would you reveal that to me? Just spend some time before him. Let God uncover sin in your tent. Be honest with him and receive his mercy. And, and not only that, my, my second thing would, would be to encourage you that after you've done that, let me exhort you, uh, confess that sin to others. Find some people in your life who love you and say, I need to share this with you. Don't let your sin stay hidden. You've brought it into the open before God. And I plead with you to experience the full restoration of God. And that doesn't even just become before God, but it comes in the midst of others in the church as well. We're here to help you. We love you. We're praying for you. And I really do hope you have a wonderful day. But I hope even more than that, that you're right with God and you experience the fullness of his blessing. I love you, church family. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Happy Father's Day. We'll hope to see you soon.